Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd. Coming up, as the Kansas City Royals plan a new stadium and entertainment district, labor groups are working to make sure it benefits workers. It has the potential to drastically change the way of life of everyone in the surrounding area that they're proposed to build this stadium. But if it's not, then why build it? Trade unions want the stadium to be 100% union-built, and labor groups are fighting for an agreement that makes sure the ballpark is union-run. Plus, Congress is in the middle of shaping one of the biggest legislative packages they renew every five years, the Farm Bill. Anybody who eats or wears clothes that are generated from natural fibers is actually touched by the Farm Bill. A look into why the Farm Bill matters and why it might be tough for Congress to renew it this year. But first, some headlines. A St. Louis County judge has extended a block on State Attorney General Andrew Bailey's rule restricting health care for transgender Missourians. Sarah Fenton reports the judge granted a temporary restraining order yesterday that keeps the rule from going into effect while the court weighs a lawsuit challenging it. Lawyers for the ACLU and other groups filed suit on behalf of some transgender patients and providers seeking to bar the rule from taking effect. Bailey's emergency regulations would require providers to prove patients have no unresolved mental health issues and have exhibited three concurrent years of gender dysphoria, among other requirements, before getting care. ACLU counsel Tony Rothert says the rule would put patients and providers at risk. This rule is presented as if it's something modest, but it's not at all. It's quite a monster and it, it, it'll take out uh, treatment for thousands of uh, Missourians. Bailey's office said in a statement its lawyers are confident they could prove gender-affirming treatments are experimental and thus subject to the new rule. The University of Kansas Health System and Freeman Health System in Joplin are under investigation for turning away a woman seeking an emergency abortion. Holly Edgel reports on the case of Melissa Farmer. Both hospitals are under investigation by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, according to an Associated Press report. That's because a federal mandate requires doctors to provide abortions when a woman's health is at risk. Farmer went into premature labor at 17 weeks. She was at risk of a serious infection and losing her uterus. She ultimately got an abortion in Illinois. KU said in a statement the hospital met standards of care and complied with the law. A federal lawsuit is challenging a Kansas highway patrol maneuver for detaining out-of-state drivers. The American Civil Liberties Union of Kansas argues the patrol violates constitutional rights by subjecting drivers to unwarranted drug searches. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service has more. The lawsuit alleges the Kansas Highway Patrol used a maneuver where a trooper will complete a traffic stop, but then quickly return to the driver to initiate a consensual drug search. A man from Colorado testified that troopers used it to detain him and his family, and the search of the family's RV found no drugs. The ACLU of Kansas wants the procedure permanently banned. The patrol argues the search was legal because a police dog alerted troopers of drugs. We'll be back after this. It's Friday night. What places are you heading to for post-work happy hour? Tell us. This podcast is making a best of the best list and needs recommendation for happy hour menus at restaurants in KC. Text us at 816-601-4777. 
That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. The Kansas City Royals opened their 2023 season with a losing streak and a dream. Not for a season over 500, but for a new stadium. Savannah Holly-Bates reports, for labor groups, it's not really a matter of if a new ballpark will happen, but how. A new ballpark and surrounding entertainment district would cost an estimated $2 billion and be the largest public-private partnership in Kansas City history. That's if Jackson County residents decide to extend the 3 8 cent sales tax that maintains the current stadium. Greg Chastain, business manager for the Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers Local 2, thinks that it will pass. And when it does, he wants the area's unions to build the new stadium just like they did the old one. We're willing for our members to show up every every day, work hard, uh, with zero work stoppages, and in return we want a 100% union project. Some critics push back against a 100% union project out of concerns that there wouldn't be enough diversity among the contractors. Ralph Oropesa, general manager of the Greater Kansas City Building and Construction Trades Council, says that's not an issue. It's not that we can't find them, they're there. We just got to find the tools to help them so that they they feel safe to get into something. According to the Royals, the new ballpark district would create 20,000 jobs and more than $1 billion in labor income over the three years it takes to build the stadium. For Oropesa, more jobs for his workers means a boon to the local economy. It puts our members to work uh, and then they have good jobs. They don't have to be traveling to other cities uh, to go to work and they're here spending money investing in their city. But Michael Leeds, an economist at Temple University in Philadelphia, isn't so sure. Leeds studied stadiums in Chicago and found that if every sports team in the city were to disappear, it would have less than 1% impact on the Chicago economy. And it won't make Kansas City rich. It's something that is used 81 times a year, and the other 280 plus days of the year, it's just this kind of giant thing that's sitting in the city. That is to say, economists agree that professional sports stadiums don't actually produce a huge economic output, despite the Royals' claims that the park will generate $185 million more annually than Kauffman Stadium. Stand Up KC, a coalition of low-wage workers, knows that. They're not against the downtown stadium, but they want to make sure that it benefits people in Kansas City even after it's built. They want the Royals to sign a community benefits agreement that stipulates where the Royals hire from, provides ballpark and entertainment district workers a living wage and a path to unionization, and stipulates affordable housing around the stadium. Poverty is something that we should defeat with this benefits agreement. It has the potential to drastically change the way of life of everyone in the surrounding area that they're proposed to build this stadium. But if it's not, then... Why build it? That's Bill Thompson, an organizer with Stand Up KC. As a restaurant worker for more than 30 years, he hasn't been able to afford to see a Royals game since 1987. He believes this agreement will ensure that workers at the new stadium don't have to live in poverty anymore. Leeds, the economist, thinks an agreement like this one would help the stadium make a bigger impact, from being a cost burden on residents to something that improves their lives. The pie doesn't get that much bigger. Um, so making sure that the local residents get a slice, I think, is not a, not a bad idea. 
Terrence Wise, a member of Stand Up KC and a restaurant worker, figures the stadium will be union-built. But he wants to make sure it's union-run so that the success of the ballpark will benefit people for generations to come. And that's what we want. When we talk about uh, racial and economic justice, that's what a union could bring to this city and what union jobs bring. Stand Up KC hopes to make more progress on an agreement when they meet with the Royals in mid-May. For Wise, Thompson, and all the other members of the coalition, signing the Community Benefits Agreement is a matter of life or death for the future of the city. And, if all goes well, Thompson hopes that the first game he'll see live in decades will be in a stadium that benefits workers. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Savannah Hawley-Bates. Every five years, Congress has to renew a gigantic piece of legislation called the Farm Bill that sets the stage for our food and farming systems. But with a multi-trillion dollar debt ceiling crisis looming, Congress is looking for ways to slash spending, including in the Farm Bill. Harvest Public Media's ex-Coret Nunez breaks down the major pieces of the Farm Bill and why it matters to the Midwest. Okay, you're not a farmer. So what does the Farm Bill have to do with you? Turns out, quite a bit. Anybody who eats or wears clothes that are generated from natural fibers is actually touched by the Farm Bill. That's Amy Hagerman, an agriculture and food policy specialist for Oklahoma State University Extension. She says this Farm Bill is predicted to cost about $700 billion over the next five years, the most expensive ever. Some Republican lawmakers want to cut spending in Farm Bill programs and are using the debt ceiling as leverage. There's a lot that happens behind the scenes to negotiate a farm bill. Of the bill's 12 sections, called titles, lawmakers are likely to focus on what costs the most. So let's look at the four most expensive titles. The nutrition title is the biggest piece of the farm bill pie, with about 85% of its cost. That includes the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP which helps more than 40 million low-income Americans buy groceries. Jonathan Coppice is the director of agriculture policy at the University of Illinois. He says cutting SNAP is a priority for some Republican lawmakers this farm bill cycle. If budget's driving our whole discussion, then we're looking around for big numbers to cut. And this is a big number, so it gets the first focus on, on cutting. One way Republicans want to cut spending on SNAP is by adding more work requirements. Coppice says this fight between lawmakers isn't new. The work requirements discussion that we hear about is rooted in this kind of mindset that somehow these policies are motivating people not to work. Next, crop insurance. Farmers can purchase the insurance to protect against losing crops to natural disasters like drought or storms. It's the second most expensive title, accounting for 7% of farm bill spending. But it only covers crops like corn, soybeans, wheat, and cotton, while very few fruit and vegetable farms get coverage. Patrick Westhoff is the director of the University of Missouri's Food and Agricultural Policy Research Institute. He says he expects discussions about covering new specialty crops, but that would cost money. They're trying to find ways to make that a more affordable process, to make it easier to get those programs established even for some products they don't have as high of a value of production as some of the the major crops. Third, the commodities title. (laughs) The 
provides subsidy payments to farmers that grow certain crops like corn, soybeans, wheat, and cotton, and makes up less than 5% of farm bill spending. So when the price of a commodity crop drops below a certain threshold, farmers are paid the market price for that specific commodity. But Westhoff says some farmers want lawmakers to raise those market prices to keep up with inflation. So we have relatively high prices for most agricultural products today. So under current policies, the commodity title will spend very little money in uh, the current year. Last major title we'll look at, conservation. It covers programs that encourage farmers to use practices that improve soil health and water quality. But Coppice of the University of Illinois says climate change will be at the center of lawmakers' conversations when it comes to the conservation title. The Inflation Reduction Act invested $20 billion into conservation programs. But Coppice says it's unknown how that will play a role in farm bill discussions. This really historical investment from the Inflation Reduction Act around climate change is is something we've not ever seen uh, to that degree outside of the farm bill debate. So what happens next? Historically, each farm bill has been a bipartisan effort, but Coppa says he expects it will be difficult for Congress to pass a farm bill this year, especially as the debt ceiling deadline looms. If Congress doesn't pass a new version by September 30th, the best case scenario is they vote to extend the current farm bill for another year. I'm Excaret Nunez, Harvest Public Media. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including KCUR. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Savannah's story on the downtown baseball stadium and ex story on the farm bill, visit KCUR.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Tomorrow, we'll get a rundown on the impact the NFL draft made on Kansas City. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.